Welcome to the Spear School Podcast. My name is Danielle Sarank, also known as the Squamish Medium. I created this space to inspire lightworkers to go from fear to clear and get connected to their sacred abilities and spiritual practices. I love supporting women through the creation of their heart-centered spiritual businesses in a way that lights them up and aligns them with their purpose. I am passionate to share all I know about the journey to becoming a professional psychic medium, mentor, and coach for the developing lightworker and spiritual entrepreneur. Through interviews, honest stories of my adventures, and lessons I learned, I hope to empower, inspire, and uplift you and get you excited about your life again. Welcome home. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to an episode of Spirit School. Very excited to have you back with me today. I'm very appreciative of you spending uh, however long this podcast episode is going to be with me. I know that you have a lot of options in the spiritual realm of podcasting world, and I'm so appreciative that you are choosing to spend your time here with me. I raise my hands to you. I'm so appreciative of you, and let's have some fun today. Also, kind of good podcast news. I didn't look at my podcast metrics for a very long time. I usually only look at them every month or two. And when I went and looked at it the other day, I was over 40,000 downloads on Spirit School. So I think that's pretty amazing. I think that is pretty damn amazing because it feels like yesterday I did a post that I hit 22,000. And I don't even think I've looked at it very much since then. And I was like really surprised. So this is a huge testament to you guys for sharing the podcast on social media and leaving the reviews and the ratings. It really does help push me up um, the searchable ladder in the algorithm world, even though I don't think anyone actually knows how these mystical algorithms work, but whatever. I really have a topic tonight I wanted to talk about. I've been preparing for this episode for a long time. I don't prepare the beginning part. I just like to riff. That's how I like to do my podcasting. Um, Anytime I show up with notes or anything like that, I usually get a bit thrown off on my flow. So I will always be the podcaster that just like riffs it out. (laughs) But what I did prepare was on my Instagram when I posted that I was going to be doing an episode on signs from pets who depart. I put it out there to my audience on Instagram. Do you have a story to share on, you know, uh, signs that your pets have left you after they have passed and gone home? And I did have a few people leave me some stories. So if you hang out to the end of this episode, I will post those stories on this episode so you can hear other people's experience of signs from the departed loved pet. Why I was so passionate about talking about this episode is because it's very new to me. Um, I know I've shared about that weird experience I had with this pet communicator a few months ago before Bender passed. I'm not going to go into the energy of that experience. It just doesn't serve me anymore. So uh, you can go to past episodes to, to hear about that. But as a medium, you know, especially one who was trained by spiritualists, Um, I don't consider myself to be a spiritualist, but I was definitely trained by spiritualists um, through the mentors that I've had through the years. And, you know, the evidence is king when it comes to spirit communication. And I guess the first experience I'd had with pet communication was non-evidential. And it was a very sketchy process, if I may say so myself. And so I've been baffled about 
pet communication. I will be honest that in my readings, I do have experiences where pets will come through, but because I don't work very much on my clairvoyance, a lot of the people who ask me, well, what did they look like? I'm not able to tell them. I can pick up the essence. I can pick up some of the favorite toys. I can pick up, um, little isms that the owner had with the pet um, when they were here in the life, but I've never been able to pick up clairvoyantly what this pet looked like. And I feel that that's kind of a requirement for pet communication. I don't know though, to be honest with you. So this is very new realm to me. So all I'm going to be sharing today is the magical and absolutely phenomenal signs Bender has left me since he's passed and I hope that um, they're going to translate not on video well because one of them the first one was absolutely phenomenal and I am just a bit blown away about uh, the signs that he's been leaving me because it's actually been more profound and more powerful than any other signs I've received from any other being including guides angels and my departed loved ones so I'm really into this topic right now I wanted to share just this first episode about signs that your pets leave you when they pass and I will be interviewing my friend Ray who's radiant vibes on RAE radiant vibes on on Instagram I mean she's phenomenal she's an astrologer she does so many mystical things but one of the things that she's really well known for is her pet communication she's someone I trust implicitly I trust her I trust her I'm not ready to get an animal communication reading yet because I've just been enjoying the experiences that me and Bender have had since he's departed on September 4th and but I will be having her on I think it's November 9th I'm going to be interviewing her and she's going to give me the rundown for pet communication and I also have her as the guest teacher in the initiation circle my membership for intuitive and mediumship development students and so she's going to be the guest teacher in November and she's going to be teaching us about animal communication and how we can learn it. I know she's also coming up with a certification program, which I'm excited about. So I'll definitely be the first to sign up for it because after losing Bender and after the, the power of the signs that he's left me, if I went to a pet communicator and they told me what I had experienced, I would be completely floored. And so I do feel that maybe I will get into pet communication. I'm interested in it without a doubt. Um, but I need to learn more. I need to I need to know more about this exciting area of spirit work. So much like I do, you know, this podcast is really stemmed off of um, old development journals that I kept. And the other day I dug out my development journal from 2013 and 2014. And man, it, it was so cool to read back on that first ever development journal. It was phenomenal. And I'm so glad I took the time to do that. And I think I'm about 20 or more development journals deep. Plus I had an online blog for my first three years of development that I captured all my experiences and all the mindset stuff and all the questions that I had and so a lot of the episodes that I have on spirit school are actually based off of those early development years but because I'd found such benefit to spending time doing that even just 10 minutes a day I decided to keep a grief log because it was also my first time experiencing grief losing Bender and also kept a log on all the different signs and experiences that we'd had so I'm going to kind of get into it I don't want to give you too much background because this isn't going to be like a sad episode, but I will say about Bender, and I know I've talked about him a few times on the podcast. I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm Canadian. I'm like, I'm not going to apologize for that. But I will say that to put it into context, Bender was literally the first love of my life. Like I'd been married before. I 
had partner long dis like long term relationships. Um, when I got Bender, which an ex boyfriend actually gifted him to me. I realized I'd actually never been in love before. I loved that cat so much. I had never been in love before. That's what I realized when I got him. And we had 13 amazing years together. He was my ever constant. He saw me through marriage, becoming a mom twice, six moves. I mean, just the best companion in my life I could have ever have asked for. And so the two years before his passing... It's a little bit of a mystery what was wrong with him, but we do believe he had cancer and he lost like 10 pounds in one month and he stayed that skinny his whole life. He actually kept losing weight, but I think that our love was just so incredibly strong that he literally lived off love for a long time and I feel like he outlived everything that the vets predicted for him and I think that was because of the bond that we had. And so just to put it into kind of context that the day that I lost Bender was like, the worst day of my life, the worst day. I had never experienced grief like that in my life. And the grief I experienced after that was by far the most deep grief I could have ever have thought to have experienced. And I feel like I'll never be the same person because of that grief. And my heart goes out to people who have lost parents at a young age or had lost like siblings. Anyone who experienced like this like first member like first member family loss at such a young age, I just feel I I just don't know. I mean it's only been two months, but I'm like, will I ever be the same? Like will I ever take a deep breath again? Will I ever you know, be not scared to lose the next person now because I feel at 38, I've been very fortunate in my life that I've only, you know, lost my grandparents and I'm, I'm sad I lost my grandparents, don't get me wrong, but it's not the same kind of grief. And I actually, you know, people have told me through Instagram after I posted about Bender's loss that the grief of a pet is completely different. So I don't know. I mean, I don't want to find out. <laughs> to be honest, my parents listen to the podcast. I'm, I'm rooting for you guys. <laughs> not hoping for anything like that but it definitely did take some innocence away from me it's almost comparable to miscarriage I had quite a few miscarriages before I had kitty jane and none of my pregnancies none of my pregnancies were blissful they were all terrifying because I felt like my innocence was kind of taken away after that first miscarriage and so I feel like it's kind of the same with grief where I feel like my uh, you know, innocence in life and death has been kind of taken away, if that's, you know, the right way to kind of phrase it. So, um, but this episode is not about grief. You can check out my past episode for that if you're interested in that. But just know I did keep a grief journal. I took care, I, I captured the feelings, emotions, the, the physical sensations, because, you know, I've been really wanting to be able to come at an empathetic viewpoint with the clients that I work with through mediumship and I just feel like it's just going to make me a better medium and so you know nothing in life happens for us without some sort of divine purpose or reason I'm not light washing I'm not saying everything happens for a reason but if you can take away some sort of blessing through the tragic experiences that we have in life then we're better for it right so let's just get started so I lost Bender on at 10.36 a.m. on September 4th, 2020. And this was a grief that kind of hit me up on the side of the head. I actually had a, a mentorship session planned the next day on the Saturday. It was a Friday that I lost him. And I was like, you know what? Give me till Monday. <laughs> 
and we met on the Monday and I got through it and I, I showed up. I always show up for my clients. I can always show up for my clients. I don't know how I do it, but I always show up for my clients no matter how, how I'm feeling or what's going on in my life. But it made me realize like, whoa, I need some time off. And so I had to reschedule two weeks worth of sessions for people because the grief was way deeper than I was expecting it to be. But for the next few days so the fourth the fifth the sixth you know I'm just like going through anger and I'm going through all the different processes that Kubler-Ross like talks about for the cycle of grief and you know the bargaining and kind of mad at angels because I was praying to angels while he was passing I was like why is there no mercy for a cat I was having like a real hard time with his passing and so of course I was trying to talk to Bender as well saying you know Bender like if you could leave me a sign I would be so appreciative and I kept asking him for feathers. I don't know why I kept asking for feathers, but I felt like I kind of needed to be specific. I think I was a little bit lost because I'd never heard of signs that pets have left behind. I didn't know what to ask for from a pet. Like, can you lick my eyelids? Like that's what you used to do. You used to lick my eyelids when I was sleeping. I don't know if you've ever been licked by a cat, but their tongues are like sandpaper. And so I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to ask for. So I just kept asking for feathers and you know, I wasn't feeling him. The only thing I remember feeling during those days, looking back on my grief log was every time I would cry and it would be like this unconsolable cry, like sounds out of my body I'd never heard before were escaping me is every time I found myself crying, I would feel like a blanket of tingles on my right arm now usually when spirit comes around me and gives me that sign it's my left arm so I made no I was like oh it's interesting because the blanket of tingles that I feel on my body are actually on my right forearm now so that's the only thing I really documented during that time you know sleep was tough and I'm a mom of two young kids I mean they're they're cold kids are cold when it comes to things like death there's no uh sugarcoating anything with them I won't even tell you the things that they were saying to me (laughs) He would be like, oh my God, girl. Um, so that was all I kind of experienced for the first few days after Bender passed. And then on September 7th, it was three days after he passed. Um, it was quite fascinating. Me and the kids, my husband were sitting at the dining room table. I'm a wreck, keep in mind, okay? Like my husband's just like the sweetest gem of a man you'd ever meet. He's just like the best. And he really kind of held the family together for those first few days. He was a true blessing to me. Please find yourself men or partners whose love language is acts of service. (laughs) I always felt like I needed something different, but the acts of service is definitely a keeper. And um, we're sitting at the, the dining room table eating our dinner. And all of a sudden, my husband says, there's a dragonfly in the house. And I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, Now, first of all, I am terrified of dragonflies. I am so scared of them. I have been so scared of dragonflies my entire life. Like, there is nothing creepier looking to me than a dragonfly, little or big. And so I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, please get the dragonfly out. This thing is massive, and it's flying above our heads. It's freaking out in the house. My kids are laughing because I'm freaking out. My husband's like, I'm not helping you because this is fun. And so they were all watching me kind of like suffer. I was like, okay, no one's going to help me get this dragonfly. So finally, the dragonfly goes across the room kind of by the ceiling above our sink. It's like, you know, we have high vaulted ceilings and well, not vaulted, but they're high ceilings, probably about nine, 10 feet. And so it's like 10 feet up in the air. And I go to in front of my sink. And so behind me is my island. So I'm in between my sink and my island. And I look up at this dragonfly and I was like, okay, I start like trying to shoo it with a 
plate. It's not moving. I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to go get a chair. So I went and got my dining room chair and I went to go put it up at the sink. And I said this thing to Bender. I said, Bender, please help me get this dragon. I didn't even finish the word dragonfly. And the dragonfly flew, and I'm talking like 15 feet from the top of the window, flew directly into a kid's sippy cup that was on the left of me on the island. It did a direct shot from the roof to inside the cup that was right beside me. And the force of it was so big that the cup was like teetering and everyone's jaw dropped. And we were in absolute shock that, and this cup was dark blue, like you can't even see through it. I don't even know how the dragonfly fit in this cup. It was too big for the cup and it flew directly in it. At the moment I said, Bender, please help me save this dragon. And it shot in the cup and I had a moment of kind of freaking out. And then I grabbed the cup and I shoved it out the window and the dragonfly flew away. And I was shaking. And there's a sign and then there's a sign. And this was a sign. And it was a physical experience. I started sobbing. I felt the presence of my cat with me. I felt the presence of his love and his protection. And it was to this day, probably one of the most profound experiences I have ever had in my life. And it's because it was accompanied with the feeling, which I'm not going to do a good job of translating on this podcast episode. So I sat down and I was shaking and I was trying to act like, because my husband's not very spiritual and he's not into these things. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you more about this during the next course of the few days of the sign. So you guys are going to be blown away. And then we were sitting at the table and my kids reminded me, do you remember when Bender killed the dragonfly? And so three weeks before, Bender was really sick. Like he he could hardly move. And he he would walk to find me, which is why the vets wouldn't put him down. Because they're like, well, he's still looking for you. I'm like, of course he's looking for me. I tried to have him put down two weeks before, which is also part of the pain of the grief process. I was just like, kept taking him to the vet. I'm like, this can't be good for him. Like this has to be it, right? No, no, it gets much worse. I'm like, worse? It can't get worse. And so I came home one day from doing something a few weeks before Bender passed. And in the middle of my freaking floor uh, in, of my living room, there's a decapitated dragonfly that is massive. And I looked at my husband. I was like, why is there a dead decapitated dragonfly on the floor? And he looked at me. He's like, Danielle? Well, my husband calls me D. He's like, D, I don't know where that cat was. But this dragonfly landed on the ground and this cat came flying from God knows where, jumped on the dragonfly and decapitated it and then walked away. And I had to laugh because I've never seen Bender kill a bug in my life. And like he would have a spider crawl on his paw and he would never have killed it. But my family, because I'm so scared of some bugs, they just kept it there because they wanted to watch me squirm and so this decapitated dragonfly a couple weeks before bender died was like literally on the floor for two days until i finally picked it up i was like okay no one's helping me i'm gonna pick up this freaking dead dragonfly and it was so gross and so crunchy and it was like Ugh. and so when that happened my girl said to me do you remember bender killed that dragonfly and then i started weeping even more i was like oh my god he sent me a dragonfly i mean it was just so profound of an experience and 
I didn't say anything about it that day, but I took a voice memo right away. I was like, I can't forget this moment. And I had to get my kids in for the bath. This is the hard thing about being a grieving mom <laughs> because like you still have to go on with life, which is like the hardest part about grieving. And I just took a voice memo with the bath running, talking about everything I felt, everything I experienced because I needed to capture that moment literally in a bottle, no pun intended. So I thanked Bender for the dragonfly. I said, thank you so much for sending me that sign. And it made me better, but made me worse too, right? Like, what can you say? Trying everything not to cry in this episode for you guys. So I felt pretty good about it. I told my parents right away. I was like, I have to tell you about Bender and the dragonfly. I'm like, it just, it was so phenomenal, this experience. Well, my husband took the week off with me. This is how amazing he is. He took the whole week off with me and we had the kids in daycare. So it was just us all week. And so uh, two days after that first dragonfly experience, you know, still very deep in my grief, we decided to celebrate our 10 year wedding anniversary, which was that week, um, spending a day together. And so he would bought me a paddle board for my birthday a few weeks before and he borrowed one off his friend. So I took him paddle boarding for his first time ever. And we, we live in a beautiful part of the world where there's lakes all around us. It's just nature. It's, it's stunning. If you've never been to Squamish, please add it to your bucket list because you've never seen anything like it. It's just so stunning here. So we literally drive like six minutes up the highway and we're on a lake and we're paddling around. And my husband's 6'4 and he's a big guy. He's over 200 pounds. He's 6'4. He's a big guy. <laughs> and so he, or actually 6'3. But, um, lovely man and so he's trying to get used to this paddleboard and we're out paddling around this lake and I said to my husband I said do you know that that dragonfly the other day was a sign from Bender and he just like rolls his eyes he's like no it's not I was like it is trust me I felt it and it was a, a very profound experience for me so I just wanted to share that with you and he was like okay okay you know I'm grieving so he's not going to fight me on this so we're paddling and I stand up on my board, which I don't do often because I'm very scared. And I stand up on my board and I remember just feeling so full of love, recalling that experience with the dragonfly. And I said to the world of spirit, I want to write a book about signs from pets and the love story of me and Bender. And the second I said that in my head and I declared that to the world of spirit, not a word of a lie, a dragonfly flew on the front of my paddleboard and it stayed there for over half an hour. My whole loop around the lake and my husband wasn't by me at this time, but when I caught up to him, he said, hey, do you see that dragonfly on the front of your board? And I said, I know he's been there for 30 minutes or he's been there for a couple minutes. And me and my husband just traveled around the lake and just talked about it and I have pictures of it I have videos of it this little dragonfly just sitting on the front of my board just cruising along with me just at the time I thought about writing that book about Bender and uh, really trying to understand pet communication it was like a it was a changing point it was a pivotal moment in my life and I think I don't know what my future holds for me but I don't think uh my work's ever going to be fully the same after this in the good way so Another fascinating thing that happened was a few days after um, the paddle boarding incident with the dragonfly, I was telling my therapist about it. I'm in counseling. I'm a big, I'm a big advocate for counseling. If you can afford it and you can get it, I think that's something that um, everyone would benefit from. And I have an amazing counselor I see every other week for the past few years, and it's been phenomenal for me. And I was just telling her about the experiences, and even she was crying on about it. She said that was pretty phenomenal. And so I go downstairs and my husband's like, Daniel, there's another dragonfly in the house. I'm like, what? He's like, look, and it's like flying around. And then this dragonfly 
literally sits on the screen of our kids' room. And I didn't want to push my luck and say, Patrick, you help me save the dragonfly again because that first experience was so magical. I didn't want to like ruin the experience for myself. But what I did do is like, I have to save this dragonfly and it's so big. This thing is so massive. And so I actually punched the screen and I punched it out and then I slammed the window shut. And like, that's just how I deal with things, right? Like nothing tactful at all there. And so... I told my husband, I went upstairs to get something for the kid and I came back downstairs and he's like, you didn't tell me that you just like punched out the screen. He's like, I just put it back on and he went to the living room, to the kid's room to go open the window because it was summer, it was hot, it was September and not a word of a lie guys, the dragonfly is back on the screen on the exact same spot I just let it out in. It, there's no way this dragonfly could have flown in the house. All the windows were closed. The We have screens in all the windows. The doors were closed. The same freaking dragonfly. It was massive. And my husband was like, what the hell? And so he ended up punching out the screen. He's like, obviously this dragonfly like is magical or something. So my husband ended up pushing out the screen and letting this thing go. And we were just like completely blown away. He was like a full-on believer after that incident. And all this happened within like five days. Um, so about eight days after Bender passed. So after that, I felt, I felt pretty good, guys. Like I felt like, wow, okay. So I asked for feathers and I got dragonflies. And I mean, kind of comical because I'm so scared of them. But, um, you know, people on Instagram are sending me from their Oracle card books, like what the dragonfly means. And people are still sending me dragonfly stuff. And I'm so appreciative of that, you guys. Like I just... I, I just feel like such a normal person. Like, I'm just like a regular girl up in Squamish, you know, struggling mom with like two kids, just trying to like fumble my way through life. And you guys treat me like I'm gold, like literally, uh, you know, it's hard. It's been hard for me to reconcile the worthiness of just the love that you guys give me. And I have to say, like during the grieving process of Bender, you guys were really, really, really phenomenal. And so it's not lost on me. It's not wasted on me. I'm just, I'm genuinely like filled with love thanks to the love that you guys gave me and I just I can't say enough about it um so the final one I wanted to talk about with Bender and the Dragonfly was so September 28th so this is I'm adding up the day so the 7th 8th 9th 10th 11th 12th so that's between the 12th and the 28th there wasn't really anything um <laughs> the shit gets real crazy real fast guys <laughs> okay so on the 28th I had my little guy in the car and I'm driving across town, which is only 15 minutes. It's like five kilometers um, to go get my, oh wait, I had my daughter in the car and I went to go to my son's preschool to go pick him up across town. And grief just overcame because grief comes in rolling waves, right? And so you never know when the wave's coming. There, there's not even like a trigger for it. It's just all of a sudden the grief wave comes and it overcomes you. That's the only way I can describe it. It's the most weird thing I've ever experienced. And so I was about to turn the corner to get off the highway to go get my son and a wave of grief just came and I just started crying and I just started saying, I just started saying, Bender, I miss you so much. See, I'm crying. <laughs> okay, quick break there. And I just started saying, Bender, I miss you so much. Like you have no idea how much I miss you. Okay, another break. <laughs> I will get through this episode, I promise. Okay, so I was like just saying to him that I miss him so much. And I do. Even today, I miss him so incredibly much. 
and I stop at this red light and literally, you know, trying to hold it together for the kids. And then, uh, the truck in front of me, there was a flatbed truck right in front of me, not a word of lie. I was at this red light and this dragonfly sits on the back of the truck bed right in front of me, like right in front of me guys. And I was so overcome with love. And then I looked down at my ODO and I had 111 kilometers left. So I had the dragonfly there and the 111. And then even when the light turned green and we went, the dragonfly flew right in front of my car. So between me and the truck. And it it literally flew there for like 20 seconds, which is a long time when you're like in traffic. And so that was like the last dragonfly sign I had from Bender. So I'm recording this on October 19th and that was September 28th. And, you know, pretty phenomenal stuff. Pretty phenomenal stuff. And just blown away. And of course, I felt him and I've dreamt about him. But nothing compared to these dragonfly incidences. And the final thing that I'm going to say about Bender's magic he's brought to me since he's transitioned home where I'm sure he'll wait for me to get home and I know he'll be the first to greet me when I get there and I've put in a special request for that but um there's actually so much so I'll tell you too I got Bender's ashes back of course I I spent I know I spared no expense with that kitty's afterlife um, care. And so I actually ordered a black box because if you, <laughs> if you know me, uh, I'm always in black and I love black. And so I ordered a black box and I got his uh, remains and I had my parents go pick them up for me because I was like a wreck. I was like, can you please go get Bender for me? And they're just like the best parents. So they did. And my dad had gifted me this little cat meditating statue. It's like this wood cat meditating statue. And when I opened up the box that held Bender's remains, not a word of a freaking lie, guys. The box that his remains were in and this cat statue my dad gifted me, which he bought a few years ago, were the exact same stain and grain. Stain and grain. It was phenomenal. So it literally looks like because the cat, um, statue my dad got me is on top of the urn that Bender's in uh, which I ordered it black but it was like this kind of like red brown that it came in and it matched the cat statue perfectly and I thought that was kind of cool too and my parents have had a few dragonfly instances as well which has been really cool and my parents took uh, Bender's loss as hard as me in fact harder than my husband and my kids <laughs> so you know my, I'm just really close with them and it was uh yeah, it was a time. So fast forward a couple more weeks. We're in October. And I told my husband, I said, you know, Bender's been my first pet, really. Like my first pet, that's like all mine. And I work at home, um, not just because of COVID, but, you know, I quit my corporate career to do this work full time in February. Uh, well, quit in January, started in February. And all my work is online now. So I actually feel at home the, the loss of the pet. And I told him, I said, you know, it's hard being here because whenever I would be in between sessions, it would be me and Bender. And like, now he's not here. Like I actually find myself less motivated to do anything. I wasn't leaving the house. Um, I wasn't really, you know, creating all the new things for my business. I was hoping I would do. I was just like in this energetic funk. And I said, I really think I want a dog. 
And so that week we started talking about dogs. We started talking about breeds. Um, he was like, well, it's a lot of work. I'm like, well, I'm prepared for it. I'm home all the time. And I only take two, maybe three clients a day. So like, that's actually a lot of time to myself. <laughs> don't tell him that because <laughs> I don't do anything around the house. But I just said, you know, I, I definitely feel like I want a dog. And we kind of landed that we wanted a Labrador retriever, but we wanted a black lab. And when we started looking into it and we started looking at the lab breeders in British Columbia, we couldn't find one that one didn't have a wait list to 2024. I don't even know how you can keep a wait list for a puppy like that, but they're all waitlisted apparently. Um, or else, you know, people who are breeding labs didn't breed for non-hunting dogs. So we kind of were like, okay, well, we reached out to a few rescue centers. We reached out to a few um, lab breeders. It seemed damn near impossible. So that Friday, I said to Bender in heaven, I said, Bender, you know, me and Nick, my husband, we really want a black lab dog. Can you help us find a black lab puppy or one that's one or two years old? Like we're willing to go up to two years old. And I just left it there, but we kind of consigned and through the weekend, uh, we basically like started looking at other breeds because we're like okay we're probably not going to go black lab puppy even the rescue center we said we have never had a lab come in but we'll keep you in mind and so we kind of go about the weekend and we were looking up lazy dog breeds because even though we live in the outdoor recreation capital of Canada uh, we're not that outdoorsy <laughs> and so we started looking at the Bernese Mountain Dog and can't even get those and so it was just kind of like, you know, I was even looking at this dog from like South Korea that needed surgery. Like I was just so serious about getting a dog and come Tuesday morning. So I asked Bender on Friday, come Tuesday morning, um, somebody tagged me in a post in town at a local rescue center who posted a picture of a black lab dog who was five months old um, named Opal and that they were going to be up for adoption. So I posted on it and I sent a DM and I ended up calling the phone number right away. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know if anyone's still a phone caller. I'm definitely not a phone caller, but I just called the number on the Facebook page and women answer right away. I said, hi, yeah, uh, me and my husband were looking at a black lab puppy and I noticed that you guys have one and we would like to get to know it and see if it would be a good fit for our family. And the lady said to me, you know, honey, I have over 50 messages about this black lab dog. And I'll tell you what, you're the first to call. So she's all yours. I'll bring her by in four hours. <laughs> and I almost died. I was like, four hours? Oh, today? Today you're bringing her today? Yep. She's on a plane from, uh, where's she from? Tijuana. And I'll bring her to you from the airport. I was like, ah. Okay. And so I called my husband at work and I said, so honey, <laughs> I kind of did a thing. I responded to this ad or this like post on a rescue center and this black lab's available, but we got to make a decision right now because she's like on the way to the airport to go get it. And my husband, he is the kind of guy that like, if he talks about getting work boots, he will look at work boots for like two years before committing to a pair of work boots. Um, same with paint it, like if we start talk about paint we started talking about paint two years ago he's finally landed on a color and it's been two years and however slow he moves to actually paint the thing I don't know but that's just the way my husband processes things and he said yep yeah, let's do it and I was like what we're getting a puppy like we're literally getting a puppy today and so I asked Bender on Friday for a black lab puppy and I had a black lab puppy on Tuesday <laughs> 
Like, if you're not smiling right now, I don't know what's wrong with you. Because <laughs> that is a feel-good story. And so we are now the proud owners of a beautiful black lab puppy from Tijuana whose name we have renamed Luna, which apparently is a very popular pet name. <laughs> My dad was telling me at dinner last night, he was like, you know, Luna was the second most popular pet name last year. And I was like who gets this data? Like, are people registering their pet names somewhere? Like, am I supposed to be registering Luna somewhere? Or are they like researching hashtags? Like, I don't know where they come up with these stats or these top lists. But anyways, I have had a ton of people say, hey, my dog's name's Luna. So I do know it's a popular name, but she is so sweet. She's just energizing enough and energetic enough. And she's just lazy enough for us as well. And my husband is smitten. He has been sleeping on the couch with her for 14 days worry-free, hassle-free, complain-free, like our family's just really in love. And though it has helped with the grief of Bender, I still cry over Bender every day. And, uh, you know, I probably will for a very long time, but she's helped me breathe again. She's helped me get out of my house and kind of start to feel like myself again. Right. So this is also how come for all the lovely people on my wait list for readings. <laughs> it's over 100 people now and it's starting to stress me out. Uh, you know, I haven't been able to go back to doing readings and I, I feel like I'm getting closer to that now where I can I can be in that zone to be able to serve spirit in that way. And so thank you so much for your patience. Thank you for listening to my stories of Bender and just the signs that he gives me. I so want to hear your guys' signs too. Um, in the podcast uh, show notes, if you click on the first link I'll post, it's going to be to the page that you can actually leave me a voice memo. So you can just, it's like an app. You do have to do it from a computer, I think, or you can do it for your phone, but it has to be in Safari. And... Android people have figured it out too. I don't know. I've never touched an Android phone, but you can leave me a voice memo of your story that you have experienced from the loss of your pet because I'm really interested in it and I am going to write a book on it and I am going to get into pet communication. I really, really want to. It's a form of mediumship I've never considered before, but knowing what I experienced during grief and if my intention is truly to serve the world of spirit, how on earth could I not look at pet communication as a way to serve the world of spirit when it comes to bringing evidence that life continues and bringing evidence that they're still very much in our lives. So it's definitely kind of on my radar to focus on for 2021. And so I will have another pet communication episode in November when I interview Ray, who's a pet communicator. So if you want to share your story on the podcast, hit that first note, send me a voice memo. I'll include it on the podcast if I can. And I look forward to hearing from them. So thank you for hearing me out on this episode. I hope it made you smile. I hope it melted your heart. I hope that... It did something for you. And so if you stay tuned right now, I'm going to plug in the voice memos that I did receive from the brilliant people who were courageous enough to share their stories. And I hope you enjoy those as well. All right, guys, sending you my love. Hey, Danielle. Um, yeah, so my husband and I, we lost our beloved Maggie. Uh, she was 16 years old this year, um, back in May. And um, the first thing I asked her um, to show me as a sign, we actually were going on a lot of long walks just to kind of move with our grief and not be sitting at home and just kind of 
you know, sitting in the pain. Um, so we decided to walk. And um, I asked her to show me a pink heart, just something simple. And literally, like two steps later, I saw this. It was a, um, it was a playing card. So, and it was um, the Queen of Hearts. So that was really cool. And then um, we were walking further up um, through the neighborhoods, and there was this big, huge um, heart that someone had put on the sidewalk that was um, that was done with petals, and it was a big red heart. Um, there are so many signs that she gave us. Um, we actually heard it through a conversation as well. We were sitting at the park and, um, this guy was showing these people some photos of this dog that his friend got. And, uh, then he says to the person, oh yes, her name is Danny with an I. And my husband overheard, um, this gentleman say that and, when my husband actually got Maggie, he adopted her, and her name on the certificate that he got was that her name was actually Danny with an I. So that was really, really cool, and only my husband would have known that. Um, another thing was that uh, my husband was like, oh, I wanna ask for a sign. So he decided he would choose a rabbit. Anyways, I have those animal spirit cards and literally I was pulling some cards and of course the rabbit just flies out. And it did again like the next day and the next day. And my husband has actually been seeing these rabbits when he goes golfing, which we just have a little giggle about because our dog would, would have like chased the rabbits. She definitely, um, like anything like squirrels or rabbits or birds like that kind of thing and another thing for me was that I also we went to the driving range and um, I was finished before my husband so I walked across the street and I was just walking there and sure enough like in the bushes I see this little bunny so I saw this this little bunny bum and and you know just before I saw the bunny I was it felt like Maggie was walking beside me so that was really cool so yeah we just keep on seeing like little rabbit type things here and there and my friend sends me um, pictures that she has come up on her feed of rabbits and and she'll um, like a rabbit stuffy in her house and she'll send it to me um, so yeah, I think she's just always showing us signs and that, um, and yeah, we miss her dearly and it's, it's so comforting to receive those signs from her. So the day after our 14 year old Shih Tzu Buster, um, passed away, I was having coffee at the breakfast bar as I normally did. And I heard him behind me. He always made a particular sound <laughs> bad very bad representation um, but he made that sound and it was so real I turned around to look and of course he wasn't there and then another time uh, dead asleep I woke up realizing that I felt that warm puppy body 
against my legs. And so I reached out to find out where my husband was because I thought it must be him. But we have a king size bed and he was way over on the other side. And no, it wasn't him. It was Buster. Um, he's visited quite often as has our other beloved um, Emmett. Um, I'm so glad you're doing this. I, I Thank you so much. Years ago, when my husband and I were first married, uh, we had our, our first dog together. And uh, she got sick, and it was time to put her down. And I was so ridden with guilt of putting our dog down. And, um, you know, that self-talk of, how can you kill your dog? And she's not that sick, all that kind of stuff. So I felt like that for a long time. Within a few months, I had a dream about her. And in this dream, she appeared. And But more than that, it was just like this feeling I got that she's saying, you know, I'm happy. I'm free. I'm pain-free. You did nothing wrong. It all worked out. I feel wonderful again, you know, that kind of thing. And after that dream, I let go of the, the guilt. It, it was amazing and very special. So when my sweet girl, Ebby, passed away, my very good friend and I were there for her transition. The next day after her passing, a hummingbird flew into my kitchen. And although we tried to save the little bird, nobody could. And she flew around my kitchen and she did eventually die. Um, that same day when my friend went home, there was a hummingbird dead on her front step. Um, so obviously the power of hummingbirds was very, very big. Um, after that, I just had a steady stream of hummingbirds coming to my place where I never had any before. And now I see hummingbirds all the time, every day, and I hear them. And I know it's my sweet Abby. I really hope you guys have enjoyed these stories from my spirit school listeners who are just the best listeners in the world, truly. I have so enjoyed hearing these stories. I look forward to hearing more and I just love you guys and I hope that you have a fantastic week and I'm wishing you the best. <laughs>